Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal amount invested. And good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller. Your host for Talking Monday today. So glad you're with us. We are broadcasting remotely from the Ronald Blue Trust office in Greenville. My office, one of our conference rooms, is now a studio. And so we're trying to make do with the, all the coronavirus stuff out here to see if we can uh, do our appropriate social distancing and all the other things that they tell us to, to do and not to do to keep this thing from spreading. Of course, if you're listening to this uh, by means of a podcast, and I talked to another listener yesterday. He, he rarely listens at 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings, but he catches nearly every one of the broadcasts on the podcast. You go to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com to submit a question if you're listening to a podcast. Of course, we won't get those questions live, but we'll be glad to get them to you. If you want to just access uh, the, this program later, you just go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com, and that will get you a whole list of the the recordings that we've had over the years, many, many years worth of, of um, content on TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So we encourage you to take advantage of that free resource, and we think you're going to get a whole lot more than what you paid for it since it's free. So well, hopefully that'll, uh, that'll help. We get a lot of positive comments about the information that we, that we share here on, on uh, Talking Money. So today we've got a special guest, uh, Mark Elam. Is going is joining me. He's a senior investment strategist with Ronald Blue Trust out of, out of Atlanta, and not a stranger to talking money because I think this is the third, maybe fourth time. Number three. Okay, number three times. So uh, Mark and Denise love to come up to Greenville, spend some time up at our fair city, get out of that Atlanta uh, traffic and Atlanta mayhem. Apparently, they're having some more difficult times than than we are with some of this stuff. But we're so glad that uh, that Mark and Denise love to come up here because we love to have you. So welcome again to Talking Money. Yeah, Mark. it's great to be here. Always fun to come to Greenville. Enjoy it. Beautiful day today. So happy to happy to join you again, Mike. That's great. Okay, so of course, being an investment strategist, a senior investment strategist, which just doesn't mean you're old; it just means you're <laughs> experienced. Uh, we want to talk about, of course, investments, the economy, and all those kind of things. So some statistics that came out. This uh, past week, uh, U.S. funds, U.S. Global puts these out every Friday night. I get this. Uh, they, they give us some of the strengths and weaknesses in the economy and again, give some market numbers. But some of the strengths, they say, are, that are going on with the economy right now, and I would agree with this one for sure, the Institute for Supply Management. So I've talked about the ISM index for years on talking money. But on Monday, they said it's non-manufacturing index, which is a lot uh, bigger portion of the economy than their manufacturing index soared a record 11.7 points 
to 57.1 last month, which exceeding the 50.2 median forecast. So that's a that's a huge increase from what the uh, the experts were predicting. And of course, just as a reminder, 50 is the above 50 is an expansion, and below 50 would mean we're contracting some. So, uh, any thoughts on that, Mark? Before I move on to the next one? Yeah, we're clearly expanding as we rebound off the bottom. So that's a, that's a good number. It's always good to beat expectations. Yeah. And I don't know how much how, how much of this would you say is a forward indicator versus a a, a, a just a I think it's still hindsight. backwards looking, yeah. but the trend is in the right direction. So that's that's a positive. Yeah. yeah, always. The second point: new applications for unemployment benefits, which of course is in the news all the time. New applications for unemployment benefits edged down last week, and the number of receiving payments fell to the lowest level since mid-April. That reports the, the Wall Street Journal reported that. So that's that's another positive thing. So I, any comments on the employment uh, other than the direction? It's great that it's not getting worse. Uh, it seems to have leveled <laughs> okay. out. Um, more people aren't losing their job each week. It's leveled out, and those numbers are going, again, going in the right direction. It's going to be a long slog on getting back to closer to full employment, which is where we were uh, six months ago, believe it or not. But uh, it's going to take a while to get there, but moving in the right direction is what matters. And one of the things that I've thought about, we'll talk more about the political implications of all this later in the show today, but I thought about what would, have, what would the situation have been like if the economy had not been as strong going into this pandemic versus being as strong as it was. It would have been very different, and uh, that's what the president's been talking about in terms of, you know, we had a strong economy, and there's no reason to think we shouldn't have another strong economy once we come out of this. And there's some truth to that. I mean, I think the economy is poised to uh, be strong. It was it was really sick in the 07-08 period. We had we had some fundamental issues and problems in yeah. the economy. Yeah. We we are not dealing with those this time around. We did not have a sick economy. We have an economy that was basically put in a coma while we could get this health crisis behind us. And then when we get the patient uh, up and going mm-hmm. again, the economy should should return to uh, healthy and, and, and strong, robust recovery. Yeah. The other point they make on the positive side was the Mortgage Bankers Association's weekly mortgage application survey reported a 2.2% increase in applications on an adjusted basis for the week ending July 3rd. According to the report, the refinancing index uh, rose by 0.4% from the previous week and came in 111% higher than the same week a year ago. Yeah, that seems pretty strong. So yeah, when people are willing to go out and buy a home, that gives you, that is almost kind of a forward indicator in the sense that there's confidence is coming back. People are willing to kind of put money down and think about their future, think about becoming a homeowner. So that's yeah. very positive. And if you, of course, there's, there's more positives and more negatives. Some of the weaknesses that they talk about: Goldman Sachs Group economists revised down their estimates for the U.S. economy during the third quarter but predicted it will be back on track in September after some states imposed fresh restrictions to combat coronavirus. That's uh, reported by uh, Bloomberg. Uh, any thoughts on? Yeah, we've had a little bit of a pullback, and we could talk about that. Uh, this, the cases in parts of the country are, are surging and going higher, and people are pu- pushing back. Uh, governments are putting uh, shut the shut, some shutdown things back in place, and, and that's, uh, that's unfortunate, but uh, wasn't to be unexpected. Yeah, yeah. Another weakness, the U.S. producer prices, uh, this would be an inflation indicator, producer prices unexpectedly fell in June, reports Reuters, as the economy battles depressed demand amid COVID-19 pandemic. So how's, how does inflation, how do you see inflation 
uh, impacting it. They're probably trying to fight deflation as much as anything. Yeah, we are. Deflation is more uh, front of mind uh, currently. Of inflation, there are some that are saying we're planting the seeds for future inflation with all this money and spending and right, debt. Right. And uh, there's a lot of debate uh, in our industry around that. And that's uh, there's going to be time to think about that. That's a future concern, perhaps. But uh, right now, it's about um, prices being pretty stable, perhaps a little deflationary. And the Federal Reserve is really trying to boost a little bit of inflation. A little bit of inflation is healthy. You don't hear too much talk, this is an aside I just thought of, about um, gas prices. So we saw gas prices, you know, in this in this area, we were looking at uh, regular is down as low as I think a dollar forty something like that. It was just ridiculous. I paid one thirty nine was okay. the bottom at Costco. Okay. <laughs> Even in Atlanta. Okay, so yeah, we were getting down really low back then. It's nowhere near there now. And now we're back up to you know one ninety or one exactly. you know whatever. Which you know in in hindsight you think about that and how great of a price that is. <laughs> In relative to 140, it's like, oh man, I'm paying way too much. <laughs> but when it was up to four dollars and something, everybody was complaining about that being so high. Of course, we're, so we're nowhere near that. Yeah. So that still seems to be not at least something that would be hold back, holding the economy back, as people spend a little more for gas. Although most people are staying still at home, so no. they're not driving as much. Oil prices bouncing off the bottom uh, is a good thing for the energy industry in our country. Um, It really is. We've had a revolution in the last 10 years in terms of our capacity to produce uh, oil and gas. And we were going to put a lot of people, a lot of companies out of business if oil stayed that depressed. And so luckily we've had a a rebound. We're still down uh, from where we were four or six months ago. But we've bounced off the bottom and... um, that's that's a positive, even though I would love to have paid uh, a lot a lot less for gas, uh, but here we are. Yeah, sure. So just some quick quick numbers for the last week. The Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, was up almost 1%. The Russell 2000, which, as uh, a reminder, that's for the smaller companies, uh, was uh, down 0.64%. The S&P 500 was up uh, about 1.75%. And gold was up about 0.64%, almost the same thing as small companies were down. And I think one of the more interesting statistics is where the 10-year Treasury bond is. Uh, almost unbelievable that it's at 0.64, down another three basis points on the yield last week, of course, which means the, the, the price of the bonds went up. So when you're in fixed income and, prices and the yield goes down, you'll make some money. Uh, on the, if you sell it, you'll make some money when the price goes back up. And I, I, who would have ever thought that the price, that the yield on the 10-year Treasury would have gone down that low, that fast? It's incredible. And, yeah. and a good, I think a good part of the equation, what's going on there, is the Federal Reserve uh, being in there as a buyer of Treasury bonds. It just seems to be keeping, keeping yields low. And plus, uh, investors, uh, when there's flight to safety, people taking risk off, as we say, yeah. are buying bonds, and that's pushing the pushing the prices up and the yields down. So the ten-year Treasury, though, over the last quarter, the statistics I'm looking at, um, it's about the same. It's down yep. eight basis points, but it's been that way for the last last quarter. So gold up about uh, not quite 3%. Uh, Dow Jones up about 10%. Uh, S&P up just over 14 as as well as small companies at Russell 2000 up also just over 14 uh, in the last quarter, which is a quarter, three months uh, ending yesterday, not not the actual calendar quarter. So when we get back from the break, we're going to be talking. The, I'm going to ask the question, is the increase in the COVID cases we are seeing in so many states 
how is that going to impact uh, the recovery of the U.S. economy? We'll be uh, addressing that question. Mark, Elon, Will, when we get back uh, from this break, if we'll be back in just a minute. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. My special guest, Mark Elam, is joins me from Atlanta, Senior Investment Strategist with the Ronald Blue Trust and uh, and a, a getting to be a regular here on Talking Money. And we'd love to have uh, Mark and Denise come up, and especially as we get Mark on the radio live here. So, But we are live in the studio at the Ronald Blue Trust office here in Greenville. So one of our conference rooms has been converted into a studio and my FaceTime, I can see Paul, the producer at the, at the station. So we can just, it's amazing how the technology can work out. Yeah, thanks for the wave there, Paul. Once again, as a reminder, if you listen to this on a podcast, send your question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So you can ask a question there or if there's a particular topic that you would like me to discuss at a future radio show. That's also a good place to put that. We want to talk about the things that you want to hear about and want to learn about. So we get a lot of good positive comments about what we cover, but we always want to improve. So if you've got a, a particular subject you think would be good for me to discuss at a future date, then that's the place to give me that uh, suggestion, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. All right, so Mark, before the break, we were talking some about just the economy in general, strength of it, and, and put out some statistics. And I think you'd mentioned before we came on, you think the S&P is probably about flat from where it was uh, in January, January 1. So... All the things that happened those first couple of months and it going down so far, and all those people that panicked, maybe you're wishing they had not, uh, which is fairly typical, I guess. Yeah, if you'd gone away and came back uh, six months, seven months later, you're like, what's everybody talking about here? Uh, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're right where we were. But yeah, we on. went down about 35 or so percent, and we've bounced back up. And on a price basis, looking at the S&P 500, which is a better kind of index to trace the U.S. market, we're right about kind of where we started, certainly yeah. in the ballpark of January 1st. So it's, it's been a, it was a quick decline and uh, a quick recovery, and uh, we'll take it. Yeah, we will. I just uh, pray it stays there for and at least stays there. We don't even care as much if it keeps going up as long as we don't lose what we've what we've got back. But of course, going up is always positive. But I, over the years, I've I've told people in workshops that I've taught that most people would be better off if they would invest their money and not look at it 
don't look at the newspaper, don't look at anything market-related, economy-related, as if you went to a deserted island and you didn't hear anything that went on. And then, and so you didn't uh, panic in your portfolio, didn't make any changes in the portfolio, just invested in a good cross-diversified cross-section of the U.S. economy, even maybe some international, left it alone for 10 years. And you came back, and no matter what happened during that those 10 years, you'd say, wow, look at this. I mean, there's some 10 years. We had the lost decades. So that might have been an exception. But for the most part, you'd look at it and say, well, things are okay. I didn't, uh, didn't really care what happened during that 10, 10 years. That's right. For the portion of your portfolio, that's long-term. And so yeah. I would say, look, everybody needs a rainy day fund. It's kind of, you know, uh, six you months mentioned. or so of income. So that that money you keep an eye on and you put you invest safely, money market funds or whatever. But for the long-term portion, for the growth portion of your portfolio, exactly what Mike says, leave it alone, invest it prudently, diversified, and then and then let it let it be there. Yeah. And Just let it, let, it, uh, let it grow. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, of course, rationale to rebalancing and all those kind of things. But for most people, if that's all they did is leave it alone, uh, they'd be better off. I still remember uh, a, an individual talked to a client that's both deceased now, but this was back in the mid-'90s. This goes back. This is before we had the big run-up in the late-'90s, and he had a big concern about the stock market and what was going to happen. So we put five years' worth of his income, if things were to go down, we had five years' worth of income, primarily in short-term bonds and some other fixed income. It wasn't all in cash. Mm-hmm. But he knew that if, if the stock market went down a bunch, he had at least five years' worth of resources he could use that he wouldn't have to touch any of the stocks while they were down. Well, that never happened. And over time, that five years' worth got to be a smaller and smaller percentage of his total portfolio because the stocks kept on going up real well. So it's nice to have those uh, uh, times in the economy that uh, the market does go well like that. But right now, everybody's concerned about COVID-19. How's that going to affect, and, and of course, the election as well. We'll talk about both of those uh, things, but let's at least get a good start here. So we've had a had increase in COVID cases. We're seeing that in a lot of states. Uh, is that going to impact the recovery, do you think, of the U.S. economy? And uh, if, if so, how? And if not, we won't care. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Uh, we've seen really uh, an interesting dynamic here. We've had a lot of states that got hit hard initially, Think uh, mm-hmm. New York, uh, the north, some of the northeast states, even Washington State. Uh, they've somehow gotten this under control, and their cases have flattened out or even declining. Whereas in the Sun Belt, uh, states like Texas and Florida and Arizona uh, have seen cases on the rise here over the last couple of weeks and maybe a month or so. And so we've we've had a retracement, if you will, and and everybody kind of crossing their fingers, hoping this virus would just go away. Yeah. It's kind of a wishful thinking. Hasn't really turned out to be the case. So, yeah, there, there are some pretty significant states that are having to turn back the clock on reopening, and they're significant in terms of our overall economy. You know, if this was, uh, you know, Rhode Island or, uh, or some smaller state, but we're talking Texas, California, Florida, these are significant states, mm-hmm. significant parts of our economy. So I would say the recovery is going to get pushed out a little bit. It's just going to take longer to get to the point where the economy is coming back because of these cases on the increase that we've seen here recently. But I don't think there's any question we're going to have a recovery. It's just uh, it's just been stretched out a little bit, and uh, the time it takes to get to that full recovery has, mm-hmm. been, has been delayed a little bit. So what I've been reading, though, is that the cases have been increasing, uh, the positive cases, which, of course, is is not good, potentially not good. 
but the the number of deaths has not been increasing at least proportionally to the number of increase in cases. Now that can be a lagging. The the there can be a lag between the positive cases of coronavirus and who actually dies from it. But it doesn't appear that that's happening. But the press is certainly not talking about that at all. They're just talking about the number of cases. Uh, how might that impact the fact that they're, they're, so far anyway, that's not been a direct relation to the number of cases being positive and those dying from it? Yeah, that's true. And I think what's happening is uh, people that are younger are, are getting the, the virus, younger than they were or younger than when right. initially when we saw when it was primarily uh, people that, older, older people getting the virus. And it's, the mortality is higher for, for older populations. Also, I think we've learned that you need to be very careful around assisted living, around nursing homes and so forth. And so there haven't been the spike in cases. And we've, we've learned, as you learn with any kind of uh, pandemic, we've learned that uh, we, you're, you're careful there. So in the states where we're seeing increases, we aren't seeing those kinds of increases in, in those types of facilities that can be so deadly for those, uh, right. those occupants. Right. When we come up after the bottom of the hour break, we're, we're going to talk about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, pick your brain about the countries, other countries and how they're handling the pandemic versus how uh, the U.S. has handled the pandemic and, and what kind of investment implications there might be for that. Uh, but of course, as always, if you have any questions about anything we talk about on Talking Money, you want to learn more about those topics uh, that, that uh, would interest you, we, you reach out to your own financial advisor. Uh, your CPA, your tax attorney, anybody that you have confidence in getting those those questions answered from. But I believe, however, it's very important to work with an advisor who shares your values and your biblical worldview. So if you want more information on that, then you can call me, Mike Miller, 800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Or, of course, you can send me an email to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Same place you would send a question if you want me to cover uh, a particular topic on Talking Money. That's the place to send it, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. All right, we'll have more information for you about this um, very important topic about the COVID and how it affects the economy when we get back from this short break. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit, which is usually the common perspective, or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, Director of Family Matters, said it well, quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. 
You're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. That phone number that we just gave there, the 800-588-7526 number, gets you to the office. We'd love to speak with you to see if we may be of service to you. We're as interested in finding out if you would be a good fit for us as we are finding out if if, if you're if we're a good fit for you. It works both ways, and and we're not uh, salespeople, so you don't have to worry about us trying to to try to make our, our uh, square peg fit in your round hole. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure that we uh, add value to somebody's situation. So today we're talking about the markets, and we're talking about COVID and how that affects things. So Mark Elam is my guest today. He is Senior Investment Strategist at Ronald Blue Trust out of Atlanta. So the firm that uh, Plan First merged with uh, over a year ago. It's getting close to a year and a half ago. It seems hard to believe it's been that long. Time flies almost like it does on the radio, Mark. Is, uh, you get started, and before you know it, it's, it's, it's over with. So we're talking about that before the break. If you missed that, you can always go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. You'll be able to listen to it uh, as a podcast as much as you want to. And the the question, we talked about the U.S. economy and so forth, but there are some other countries that have been able to seem to handle the pandemic so much better than, than others. So what are some investment implications there, either overseas or how we should uh, maybe rethink our portfolios going forward? So what about some of these other countries, Mark? Yeah, it is. There's no question that countries, there's uh, some come to mind. China's certainly uh, done, a, done a better job uh, got, getting the virus under control, and they have an authoritative state and can tell people what to do, and, yeah. and they're, more, they're better able to do that. South Korea, New Zealand, uh, even I was looking in the papers, Denmark has had some progress, Europe's European countries, and they've been able to handle this uh, health challenge and get things under control and have not had as much of a re a second wave, if you will. And part of it is just the citizens in those countries, just a more of a willingness to trust their government, trust their directives. Um, or maybe just fear. Fear? <laughs> fear of their government. You mean part of that? Well, there's always I've got that. to do what I have to do, whereas we don't typically have that same fear with our government. Exactly. They do. Like, we know that they need business over there. The other important point, Asia had the SARS experience back in 2002, oh, right. where it was a more deadly virus. And so they've been around this uh this before, and they learned about face masks uh, and how important uh, these masks are that we, we that we in this country <laughs> just are reluctant to wear. So, over in Asia, they've uh, they've learned the importance of that, and and they seem to to have uh, have done better. So, in terms of the impact on investments, we've seen China's stock market here just in the last couple of weeks has done really well, has soared. Their economy's coming back, manufacturing's coming mm-hmm. back. If you look at their economic numbers, they're uh, they're definitely headed in the right direction. Consumption, people are buying cars again and so forth. South Korea's market has done better than the U.S. Uh, here because their country has gotten things under control. So it's, it, it makes the importance of global diversification more important than ever that you have exposure around the world. You know, the world is not going to be facing, other countries are not facing the kind of election that we're going to be coming up with. And so the uncertainty around, around that is just not a, not a factor in Europe, not a factor in Asia. So it's good to have some exposure to those countries, different growth opportunities and to be diversified and, and benefit from uh, their different experience and their better experience. Uh, some of those countries coming out of this, coming out of this pandemic. Yeah, I remember reading a commentator when all this stuff started coming down the the pike that due to China's restrictions and shutting down their economy, that was going to affect our Christmas because of the manufacturing that was going to be shut down and they weren't going to make the toys and the other things that clothes and everything else that they make in China for us. 
that, that by Christmas time, because there's that lag, you have to prepare those things ahead of time. So it sounds like maybe they got kicked back up in time that uh, it's not going to affect our Christmas. We'll still have a Christmas in China <laughs> or Christmas from China. It, it, it would seem so. Their manufacturing and and production capabilities seem to seem to be on the way back, uh, seem to be coming. So I guess the imports will eventually ramp up from China and, and, and the kids will get their toys. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's so important. As I've, as I've been watching some Hallmark Christmas movies with my wife the last, <laughs> last week or so, it's been, it's, been, it's been very encouraging, actually, when you think about those kinds of things. And say, wow, if everybody would just chill out and watch some Hallmark Christmas movies, maybe everybody would feel better and we wouldn't exactly. have all the nonsense we've got going on now. For sure. All right, so uh, don't know how good your, your crystal ball, well, actually, I know how good your crystal ball would have been back in the second quarter when you had the downturn, then, then things rebounded, had a big, this huge recovery in the second quarter. And, and now we've, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, this segment, how things have come back from the first of the year. Uh, so what, what is propelling that stock market in, in spite of the challenges that we're facing with COVID and we've got civil unrest, we've got the election, we've got all this stuff going on. Um, what would be um, why, why is the market doing so well? Yeah, you have to you have to admit that it's come back in a in a stronger and a quicker way than almost anybody would have predicted. And if you take you know you pick up the newspaper and you read about some of the things going on in this country uh, in terms of unrest and more cases and jobless claims and so forth, and then you look at the stock market and you say, wait, it's it's back all the way. What? How how could that be? But you have to remember the stock market is about uh, the companies, ownership of companies, and what those companies are going to earn looking way out. So, yeah, if you're if you're just caught up with, well, this company's earnings are going way down this year, and maybe they'll come back next year. But the stock market is really thinking about the long term, out five to ten years, if you will, in terms of what those earnings will be worth and what those companies will be worth. So, our economy will come back it will start an expansion we've gotten a re- we will have gotten a recession behind us and we will have a long economic expansion which is the the post-war period uh, pattern you have long expansions and short recessions so it may be that investors are looking beyond the valley of this all the bad news the another factor we've got really really low interest rates and low oh, interest yeah, rates are sure. historically a very good a, a positive for stock prices low interest rates good for stock valuation. So that's another uh, factor that's propelling our market. So uh, it, on the one hand, it can look like there's a disconnect between Main Street and Wall Street, the commentators like to talk about. But Wall Street and the financial markets are really about thinking, looking forward, thinking about the future, thinking about uh, the eventual recovery and re- in corporate profits and economic activity. And I think that's what people are focused on. Now, that's not to say we're not going to have volatility and and market swings here in the short term. I'd be very surprised if we don't because we're – We've had a nice rebound. We've had a we're, we're at elevated levels, and we've got some some challenges in front of us. Right. One of which is an election, and the, all the uncertainty that goes with that. So you're not predicting a 20% increase between now and December 31st, Mark? Come no, on. I wouldn't get used to what we've experienced <laughs> over the last two months and call that normal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you said earlier, if we were, if we uh, just kind of tread water and and had this uh, we're at this level here for a good while, that that would probably yeah. be just fine. We'd be we'd be fine with that. Just yeah. as a reminder to the listeners. This is Mark and me talking. This is not Ronald Blue Trust uh, officially giving any kind of uh, 
explanation, uh, and of course, no predictions. We never do that anyway. But uh, I'm always supposed to remind people of that from, so that all the compliance people are, are happy. You know, it's just the two of us talking. But I, I noticed that uh, in Mark Holbert, uh, and he writes some good stuff in the Wall Street Journal, but he wrote uh, an article on July 5th. So this is a recent article. He says, there's a lot of talk these days about the return of irrational exuberance. And everybody remembers that from the days when Mr. Greenspan and, and Robert Schiller made that, uh, those famous comments uh, way back when, like early, like mid-90s. Um, he says, that doesn't mean, he says, it's nowhere near that heated. But a close look at the data suggests things are nowhere near that heated. That doesn't mean the stock market won't fall in coming months, of course. But if it does, it will be for reasons other than speculative excesses rivaling those of two decades ago. And he goes in the article, he says, uh, there's, of course, plenty of anecdotal evidence that individual investors today are rushing into the market in a way reminiscent of the late 90s. And we're seeing huge swings in individual stocks. We mentioned several individual stocks that certainly have some irrational exuberance in them, but for the most part, it's not happening. He says, uh, and he, then he quotes a study, and uh, because we talked about this before we came on the air, Malcolm uh, Baker and Jeffrey Wergler from uh, Harvard Business and New York University uh, had put this, this um, study together that looks at five variables for comparing investor sentiment at different points in time and showing how the stock, how it relates to stock performance. So I'm looking at a chart. Of course, I can't show you that. We're not doing FaceTime Live, but he shows where it was the same composite in the late 90s versus now, and we are less than half of where it was then. So it isn't even close. So when you talk about a, um, a bubble or a, a rational exuberance going on. They say the professor report that at the top of the internet stock bubble, the price to book ratio of the average non-payer was more than double that of the average dividend paying company. Today, according to fact set data, is nearly the reverse. Dividend payers sport an average price to book ratio that is 44% higher than for the typical non-payer. So he's got some other things in there. Interesting article, you can always go to the Wall Street Journal. The title is, Are Stock Investors Irrationally Exuberant? Again, to give you a little perspective and maybe some, some uh, really backup on what Mark just talked about on yeah, where we are. You could certainly look at some examples of some companies, and we're not going to name names, but uh, there's some companies and stocks out there that you look at the stock prices and say, yeah, there's, there's some incredible optimism uh, going on here and a frenzy over needing to own this stock and that stock. And some of these companies are actually doing really well in this uh, situation, in this pandemic. So some of the trends, innovation trends that we have seen that, have, that were ongoing have been kind of accelerated because of this pandemic. And right. those companies, their stock prices are benefiting. So there's certainly examples of some companies that have maybe gotten ahead of themselves, and there are other examples of companies that have lagged behind. But there are parallels with the late 90s, and there are some very big, big differences. And so uh, we'll see. Where we've, like I said, we, we're, put, we're having a recession behind us. Instead of in the 90s, you had a recession out in front of you uh, as markets and, and prices were going uh, high and to the moon. Um, this time around, we'll have an expansion and companies will kind of grow into those stock prices, the earnings that have been anticipated and forecast. They will have an expansion, an economic expansion to yeah. grow into those earnings and, and that will help their valuations. They'll All become right. more reasonable. We got a question. We'll come in back after the break to answer. So this question email came from Roger. He's up in uh, Virginia. He's, a, of course, a podcast listener. I don't think he listens. He could listen on the, on the, uh, on his iPhone with his app, but he said, just wondering if some of your clients want to adjust their portfolios before the November election to a more conservative defensive objective with the assumption that Biden wins. 
He says, I personally predict that a Trump win will send the Dow upwards by 800 points the day after. Okay, thanks for your thoughts, he says. Okay, so this is interesting. We'll talk about the election and upcoming the excitement that's coming on for the next couple of months and all the uh, overwhelming ads I'm sure we'll see that everybody just, of course, loves for the next uh, several months until we get past the November election. We'll talk about that when we get back after this break. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And you're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. Mark Elam, my guest, senior investment strategist from Ronald Blue Trust. We're talking about the markets, and now we're going to be talking about the election a little bit. And the email I read just before the break from a listener that says he's wondering if some of our clients want to adjust their portfolios before the November election to a more conservative, defensive objective with the assumption that Biden wins. He said he personally predicts that a Trump win will send the Dow upwards by 800 points a day after. So this is the very nature of his question. Says uh, even though he says should I make uh, should we make a, adjustments if Biden wins? And he says, but if Trump wins, this is going to happen. So he, I think he kind of answers the question there, doesn't he? I think he totally did. Um, yeah, you know, you look at history, Mike. It would suggest that uh, is it important to kind of get that forecast of who's going to win the election right? History would tell you it's not really. Um, elections, a lot of chatter, a lot of speculation. If you remember back four short years ago, everybody knew Hillary was going to win, and when the market pulled back in front of that, and then uh, lo and behold, uh, President Trump is elected, and. Uh, the markets had a gradual expansion, gradual pushed higher as people kind of more and more got used to, okay, we're going to have tax cuts, we're going to have less regulation, and the markets didn't pop all at once with the, with the win. Uh, they gradually recovered or, or gradually went up. So uh, there's just, again, no precedent for it being that really, really important mm -hmm. to get it right. Um, markets follow corporate earnings and corporate earnings are impacted by economic growth and those who move in long cycles irrespective yeah. of who's in the white house or who's in congress you remember how many people were scared to death especially on the conservative side when obama not just the first time he got elected but when he was getting reelected like oh this country i mean people were panicking to the point where they were just getting out of everything that had any kind of growth potential to it and just go into cash because they were sure he was going to ruin the economy. But but a, the president doesn't have all that power all to himself. So, and like you said, it takes time for these things to, to cycle out and, and get through Congress. We know Congress generally never moves fast. I mean, every now and then they do. They, they 
put some of the stimulus in place pretty fast for for the government. They did it very fast. But, yeah, it, it takes time to do that. So what do you think some of the bigger issues will be the most important themes as we're coming up to this election? Well, I think it'll be uh, it'll be very different. Each side will be talking about different things. And so I think the Democrats are going to be talking a lot about the handling of the pandemic, uh, the government's supposed failure in, in managing that whole process, the suitability of the president to be president. Um, and I think uh, I think President Trump will be talking a lot about how the economy, what the economy was like, and how he's tough on China and tough on Russia and and so forth. And and I think he'll do a lot of uh, a lot of talking about how he sees as, as as Biden as being not not a great candidate, not a not a good uh, not having what it takes to be president yeah. from his perspective. So I think there'll be some important issues around the, the economy, around the handling of the pandemic, around the suitability, each one talking about the, the suitability or lack of suitability of each other right. in, in usual fashion, a lot of negativity. Um, and I think that's just with us here to stay. Um, and I think China will be uh, an important issue. Each one is going to see who can be toughest on China, yeah. uh, who, who can out-tough each other on, on, uh, on dealing with China. Well, I think President Trump probably is leg up on that one because he's got actual toughness that he's shown. And, and Biden, when they were at eight years with Obama, they, they weren't tough on China then. So he's going to have a hard time on that particular issue. He may stay away from that one because yeah. he wouldn't have too much of a leg to stand on. So let's look at the in the time we have left here is just uh, five minutes. What are the investment implications if a potential Biden presidency versus a potential Trump uh, reelection? Yeah, I think with uh, with it, a lot of it comes down to the Senate. For, quite frankly, I hate to dodge the question, yeah. but it really right. does. Um, I think I think a, a President Biden with a Democratic Senate is going to be able to get a lot more uh, of his proposals, a lot more of his initiatives, uh, make progress than if the Senate stays Republican and the Senate becomes basically an obstacle to what he yeah. wants to do. But, but even on the Senate side, you've got to get. Because we've had the Senate, but you don't have 60 votes in the Senate. You're still somewhat hampered in what you can do. You, it's not like you can do anything you want to unless you've got that, uh, what do they call that, the supermajority. If you've got 60 people instead of right. 52 or 53. Yeah, let's give some credit to the founders here. They came up with a system of checks and balances. So, yes, the president is not all important in terms of who gets elected, in terms of impacting the markets. And, yes, even even if with the president, uh, the, the checks and balances that come from having two houses in Congress – the Senate and the House of Representatives, the, uh, there, are, there are obstacles purposely put in place to getting everything you want. So there will have to be back and forth and negotiations. So uh, President, uh, excuse me, Candidate Biden this week came out with a, a speech and he talked about his economic plan and some things he's going to do. He talked about education spending, healthcare spending, infrastructure, buy American. He was very big on, on that. So he's, yeah, he's almost just like Trump on that. stealing <laughs> an issue from Trump on the buy American. Uh, a lot of talk about unions in that speech. So he's going to focus on the economy and building building back better, as he puts it. So he's going to focus on uh, an economy, and, and as he puts it, for everyone. So he's going to talk a lot about uh, income inequality. That's going to be a campaign issue big time. Yeah. So how do you prepare? I mean, you don't know who's going to who's going to win. I mean, I, I see ads that, and I've heard, of course, the comments that Biden's made. He was on a, a left-wing uh, radio program this past week talking about defunding the police, and and some of the talk radio uh, hosts were talking about how that really has given uh, President Trump some those ads have given him some traction because 
that just doesn't resonate well with most people to defund the police, which um, I, I'm surprised he made that. I'm not sure Biden believes that, but he certainly the people around him are, are encouraging him to go that route. Um, but how do you prepare not knowing who's going to win? Um, how do you prepare for that uncertainty um, when they're so different in their philosophies and everything else? Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think first off, you just have to prepare yourself to get ready for some big market swings here between now and November. As we have polls come out and certainty, we're going to have conventions. We're going to have a vice presidential choice on the on the Democratic side. That's going to create some a lot of chatter. So the market's going to be swinging around based on uh, this poll, that poll. So expect volatility. We're at we're at levels where we've had a, a big recovery in stock prices and. Um, if there's some doubts or whatever, we could see some retracement of that. So that's the first thing. Prepare yourself for some big swings that might be coming. Secondly, I think if anything we've learned from the COVID and the market drop and the market rebound is that market timing coming in and out of the market is just, one, it's impossible, getting it right twice. And plus it's futile. Here we are right back where we started the year. Yeah. And, and what did that, what did that do for you? Chances are if you got out of the market, you didn't get back in. And so you left some, right. you left some gains on the table. So, Stocks are for the long term. Stay invested. Keep your stocks. Keep your investments that are long term focused. Keep them invested for the long term, knowing that political events, elections come and go. What you're really investing in are the our companies and in our economy. And uh, those those keep going despite what happens in Washington, mm. despite who's elected, despite what happens uh, in the Congress. So as you mentioned earlier, and I've mentioned many times on Talking Money, the key, have that rainy day fund. Have Don't have everything in the market. So the, the part that's designed for growth, okay, let's put that in the market and don't worry about it. And go back to my longstanding advice for people. Instead of watching the, the talking heads, the CNBCs, the Fox Business News, and all those places that might scare you half to death, watch Andy Griffith. <laughs> it's, just, it's a lot more soothing. Or a Hallmark Christmas movie. You can't like go that. wrong with that. One of those, one of those would work. So 800-588-7526 is the number at uh, the Ronald Blue Trust office. If you've got a question for me, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. I'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening today for Talking Money. And Mark, thanks for joining me once again. Great to be here. All right. Take have care. a great weekend, everyone.